when the team that runs the company and this is not the founders but also senior management they run out of energy the company fails and this running out of energy can happen due to multiple things but till the core team that runs a startup has the energy to go on they will survive simple as that welcome to the season 6 of outliers i'm your host pankaj mishra and i'm really thrilled to be bringing this edition of outliers in collaboration with the times of india outliers is a series of free willing conversations with the ones who chose to take the road not taken often it's about the crazy and the curious those who dare to stand out and stand alone keep listening I'm very thrilled today to be recording this conversation with Abiral Batnagar. Abiral, uh, more popular, popularly, and 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 the handle that uh, a lot of you would know him from is the Junior VC. And uh, the reason I have been wanting to have this conversation with Abiral is because I have found his his questions, his insights, and everything around. uh indian startup ecosystem and technology ecosystem uh, very very refreshing i i wish uh, i was in a newsroom where i had abiral as a colleague uh, and i could learn even more from him so abiral welcome to this conversation thank you pankaj um very excited to be here i actually was super inspired by your podcast when we started our podcast on a junior vc have been listening to you share learning from your insights uh, and it's amazing to be on this platform today grateful uh, abiral <laughs> that you could join us and thank you for your kind words uh, let us start from the start abiral i mean much before we get into uh, junior vc and uh, you know the the startup ecosystem why don't you tell us a little about yourself talk a little about growing up abiral and uh, tell us things that stayed with you uh, things that shaped who you became and why i am a family man uh, and i think that's because how i was brought up so my parents are a bit unique in the sense that they went to the same college but these the college that they went to was super prestigious is super prestigious um, they both met at iit kanpur um my dad was a couple of years ahead of my mom and uh, i am the first kid i was born in kanpur but my parents were working at this large amazing organization called tata steel um until date i'm super grateful to the tata group um even though i've never worked there but my parents did um so we moved to jamshedpur when i was one mm-hmm. uh, my dad wanted to explore a different division um so he was looking at marketing and that was pretty big in pune um so my dad and mom and i like when i was two we moved to pune um and that was the first time we lived in the city i think my parents fell in love with it i was too young to fall in love with anything um <laughs> but um you know that kind of stayed and my dad always had this itch to start something um so in a couple of years he was thinking of you know starting out by himself and this is you know late 90s my dad was the first entrepreneur in his batch 
I think till date um, still is the first one. Um, wow. So we, you know, packed up from Pune in three years. Uh, dad, mom, and I, we moved to Kanpur again. That's where my dad was starting a ancillary firm, uh, which was manufacturing spare parts for LML, which was a big scooter company at yes. that time. Um, and they became the largest ancillary firm for LML in like three, four years. And I was a kid, I was growing up, um, you know, all these things were, I didn't know about it. I was super, I think, precocious, according to my parents, really loved books, um, almost addicted to them. And I still carry the same addiction today. Um, so you'd find me with books or, you know, running around. Uh, when I was young and um, I think in three, four years, I remember this one story that my parents tell me why we left Kanpur because you know, our entire extended family was there. Uh, I come home and, you know, I'm mingling with some kids and uh, I picked up some cuss words and I say them at home and my parents are like, if we stay here, he's going to become <laughs> something like them. Uh, so my, my, my dad, like, um, you know, we sell the business, uh, move to Pune, dad, start something else. Um, and then I've been in Pune ever since, um, when I was, I think 10 or 12, uh, around that age, I wanted to be a historian because I loved history wow. and I, and I loved, uh, reading about, you know, what happened in the world you know, what happens in countries. Um, one of my dad's uh, brothers, he is in the Merchant Navy. I mean, he's retired now, but then he was. And um, he comes home one day and he's like, you know, I went to Angola um, and I just came back and I tell him, oh, so how was the ship journey to Africa? And he's like, how do you know where Angola is? And then I'm like, you know, Angola is near South Africa. And and, and he's like super shocked. And uh, so I, I was like this kid who was stuck to the atlas and stuck to history. So I wanted to do that. Um, clearly, in a couple of years, I realized that <laughs> that, that would just be a pipe dream. Um, <laughs> because there were, no, there were no such opportunities. And um, I loved everything uh, while I was you know, a kid, I wouldn't say that I was, you know, here I was bottom of the class and middle of the class. I was always top of the class. Um, and I loved um, reading. So that really helped me in my school. Um, I think in 10th, somewhere I came across this book called uh, Resnick Halliday, uh, which which is an introductory book on physics. And I fell in love with physics. I mean, my teachers weren't so good at school, so I didn't really... I used to hate physics and after reading that book, I realized it's such a beautiful um, subject and actually an understanding of everything that's going around us. I'm actually reading a book on physics again. Um, And, you know, I'm revisiting all the physics I studied, quantum mechanics, relativity, and I'll obviously touch upon it as I talk through. So I fall in love with physics and, you know, I'm like, hey, let's do science, you know, the history, geography, probably doesn't have much of a future and for me like the IITs were not this hallowed portal which is 
what it is for a lot of people. Um, I know that because of my batchmates. Um, for me, it was more like there's some really interesting people and they're really smart and they study in this college and I want to go there. Um, and so, you know, this love of physics continued. I also liked chemistry, maths, not so much, but, you know, I liked all three. And I started preparing for the JE. Um, you know, luckily enough, I got in to IIT Bombay. Um, and as you would have guessed, I take a degree in engineering physics, um, <laughs> which is a very, you know, good combination of theoretical physics and electrical engineering. Um, it's a very small batch, around 35, 40 students. Um, and were like super nerdy. Um, so I, you know, I, I joined engineering physics, get into college, uh, don't touch my books, do everything apart from that in my first year and onwards. Um, <laughs> in my second year, I do this internship in a Swedish firm called ABB. Uh, and they they had an R&D division where they were um, hiring like young physicists to pick up and do R&D, right? And I was an intern there. And I realized then in those, you know, one and a half, two months that I can't sit sit behind a machine and write code <laughs> and run models all my life. So I was like, what the hell? I thought I loved physics. And I think I love physics. Um, I still do. But just the application of it seemed very slow. And I wanted something more fast-paced. Um, around that time, some of my seniors were starting a startup and this is you know way back in 2012 before startups were you know the cool things that they are today and um i was like let me try this out and they were looking for an editor and as i told you i loved books and i also liked writing because of that um and i love that experience of editing a educational magazine which was a startup we were we were making an educational magazine for kids in cities that had high income people, but couldn't get access to careers like you would get in a Delhi or Bombay in 2012. You know, these cities would be like Bhopal, Indore, maybe Pune to some extent. Um, and we were selling this magazine. And it was a phenomenal experience. And I was like, hey, you know, I, I like this. Um, I want to do this. I want to get into the business world. And um, I think around the end of my second, third year, beginning of third year, I was like, want to get into the business world. Um, so I started thinking about what next. Um, an MBA seemed like a very natural option. Um, I was pretty hell-bent on doing consulting. Uh, so I started preparing for consulting firms as well as business school. And um, I got into both. Uh, now I was faced with a dilemma where one of the partners of the consulting firm that I got into calls me and tells me, hey, you know, don't go to an Indian B school. You'll be doing the same thing all over again. <laughs> uh, you'll be with Indian people. You know, we'll send you to US Ivy League, blah, blah. And I was like, am I doing something wrong? Um, but in the end, I chose to stay back in India. And in some ways, it's a, it's a theme of my very young career. I bet it on the Indian story. Um, and I said, hey, you know, I'll go to IMA. And it's a privileged position, honestly. Um, 
it wasn't like i was going to a random college i was going to the best business school in india and probably around um and i loved my time there um still held bent on consulting i uh, um applied there something random happened in my summer internships and i ended up in a private equity firm um i got a taste of investing but i didn't want to invest in bridges and tolls which is what uh, we were doing in our internship and i wanted to invest in something which i could relate to um and i remembered my startup experience in college i actually did another one in the fourth year um with the founder of rupeek sumit manyar and i um, hmm. i thought that you know i want to do investing plus startups and when i was about to graduate i got this offer from a vc firm that was starting out in india and i was like i have dreamt of being in a consulting firm i had offers from all of them and now i'm just dropping it to get into venture i'm doing the right thing but i again uh took a non linear decision and i ended up in venture so that's my story till vc um and you know the decisions i made along the way wow <laughs> this is fascinating abhinav uh abhinav you you watched entrepreneurship at home in that sense right your your father did you know did it twice uh, at, from what you are talking about uh are there things that you learned about entrepreneurship before you actually became uh, an investor and started watching startups more closely i don't know if i was doing it explicitly the very interesting thing about my dad is and something i've like i think i'll spend my whole life trying to emulate is that he never lets you realize that he's at work right a lot of people bring work home he never did he was always like mm-hmm. a father who was there um looking out for me um so while growing up i i never really felt that you know that something's being built or something's being done um i started realizing it more you know towards the end of my college and i was more from a distance because you know i was in college and dad was working away um and now i'm able to fully appreciate it i think um and i see why you know he has this founders mentality founders dna um and they are like getting things done having a big vision never saying no to anything um it's a very different mindset and mentality which is at home for me but for a lot of people it may seem foreign right and um very early on in my career which when i started working in 2016 um my dad always clarified that you know a manager thinks like this and a founder thinks like this and i've always seen that stark difference um and i think over the last 5 years i've begun to appreciate it a lot more but growing up i didn't see it at close quarters i knew my dad was up to something interesting and we had a fascinating childhood because of that but um the entrepreneurial exposure was not there because dad never brought work home at least to us like i never saw it 
Uh, but this is so fascinating, Avidal, still what you said. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, so, Avidal, let's let's now look at the your worldview about startups or investing, uh, your lens actually, or your compass. Uh, how did that shape? How did you start looking at startups? Uh, what is your lens? And I'm not necessarily talking through the investment uh, lens, but your view of this world of startups, how did that shape? What works, what doesn't, what makes a good startup, what makes, you know, not so good? Uh, because, of course, now we are, I'm, I'm when I, I keep consuming a lot what you share, you're, you're questioning, you're analyzing. Uh, can you take me through this journey of how did you build this lens and, and what does it consist of? So the lens is continuously being built and shaped. The holy grail is knowing which 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 company and which startup will actually work. And it's very hard to know that beforehand, right? It's almost impossible in my opinion. Um, I think that um, a lot of people have shaped my view. Um, venture is an apprenticeship in some way. and And I think I've learned a lot because of the people around me. Now, why I really like startups and the ecosystem is that there's something bigger than them that's happening. And to me, why I'm so ingrained in this ecosystem is because I think the best way to take a country forward is to enable entrepreneurs, right? Um, and I think that it's a very noble cause and I'm not saying it because I am an investor or because I'm a founder. It's because I, I genuinely believe that the way to take people forward is to enable them to build something. Um, and this entrepreneurial DNA is so rich is there everywhere in India. Not only VC backed companies, but even your neighborhood store, even your neighborhood um, Chaiwala, the stall that you have, there are entrepreneurs all around us in India, right? And I look at startups from this lens, that you're enabling and creating something really, really big and meaningful. Um, so with that lens, um, I'm genuinely an optimist about what startups can do in the Indian ecosystem. Um, some of my earlier conversations with people outside the ecosystem and what was a genesis for a junior VC as well, people would ask me, hey, you are an investor. Swiggy is losing tons of money every year. Why do you guys fund such companies? <laughs> and it's a very genuine question, right? I mean, like nobody was answering this, this question. Um, and that was like one of the reasons why a junior VC started. Like, let's take that lens. And from the outside, it's very hard to see what's really happening inside a company. But when you're an investor, you start seeing it very differently. It's very hard to build a business, um, period. And you need a lot of things to work. The reason why companies lose money essentially is because they're growing very fast and the market is not ready to pay today, but it will be in the future. Many companies will never reach that holy grail, which is people are paying, they are doing it profitably and they're growing as well. 
um, and that's why so many startups die. But the ones who don't, in five to six years, you see them becoming gigantic, right? And I'm taking Swiggy as an example. I don't know how many people they've impacted the livelihood of, and like not just Swiggy, Zomato, and all the food tech companies that came along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I was trying to make sense of this ecosystem myself. I always have seen myself as an outsider, trying to look at it very objectively. Although I'm inside the ecosystem, I've always tried to be like, hey, you know, how would this look like to someone who's outside? And a junior VC is that bridge. Um, this lens of uh, looking at startups this way, obviously, is because I'm an optimist, honestly, um, and I really like these things. Um, being positive and building and creating. But beyond that, it's also been shaped by people I've worked with, mentors, uh, you know, my bosses at firms. Um, they've shaped my view about how to look at startups. And I think one thing I learned, and this is what you'll see in a junior VC's pieces, is that I want to be empathetic about startups when I talk about them. And empathy doesn't mean that I'll not look at the negatives, but empathy means that I will look at the negatives, but I understand why they're there. Um, because a startup journey is imperfect by nature and by design, and you need to be a, an optimist to see the potential that a particular startup has, right? Especially at the stage I invest in, which is seed, it's so difficult to see what's working because everything's broken. And the hardest part is seeing that, hey, you know, this company could be so big one day and it's these reasons why. Um, so I look at startups with an empathetic view, empathetic lens, um, and I'm genuinely trying to help my founders or founders in the ecosystem who are known to me or people who are trying to understand the ecosystem better. And that's a lens I take, uh, which has been shaped by my experiences, my interactions, my investments, uh, the folks I've worked with. Um, and that's how this lens has shaped. Abhinal, one more uh, follow-on question on, on this is a lot of time people talk about entrepreneurial uh, gut feeling or from an investor point of view, uh, again, uh, you know, a kind of a sense that, okay, I, I don't uh, perhaps believe in what uh, this person is saying now, but I have I have a feeling this will become big or or I want to do this. It it is intuition. I don't. It, it is what. Uh, how do you balance when you decide uh, with data, uh, hard data, and this in, intuitive uh, sense? And and how do you describe this intuitive sense, if at all it it, it is playing a role, Abhiral? Uh, is it science, math, <laughs> liberal arts? What yeah. it is? Uh, venture investing is art completely. I don't think there's science to it. Um, and I, I mean, people will disagree with me as a engineer saying that something is art is blasphemy sometimes. Um, but early stage investing, which is seed, is just an idea in a team and a mission to change the world. And these are the three things that matter the most. There is very little data that you can back things with. And I'm not saying that, you know, we don't spend time thinking about the market and spending time with the team. Um, 
but you genuinely have to over index on the team and you believe that they can build something that they claim and the market that they are operating it in is it going to be big enough in the future Gen- generally it's not very big in at the time they're building because otherwise there would be large players in that market um so these two combined with what they're doing these three things is what matters and by working with a variety of founders you build a sense of what will work and what will not work and that's what i say is the instinct instinct is basically um multiple experiences compounded over time that helps you make quick decisions uh that is instinct and venture investing instinct only gets better with investing there's no other way you can do it um so that's how i look at investing and founders um and i think founders too have this instinct in the beginning it's it's a mix of instinct and a passion to solve a problem that they acutely faced and when you marry that with a market that requires that problem to be solved that's when magic happens the third ingredient is missing sometimes the founder doesn't have passion as much as required or the instinct was misplaced and something falls um but when the three of them align it's it's incredible um that's when you see big businesses getting created um so i would say that it's it's almost entirely art at seed it becomes more science as the company grows um you know you start seeing metrics you start seeing more numbers you start seeing more validation that a particular company is able to build in a space um but the earliest stage is is art um and you only get better at it by doing it that's my opinion <laughs> so very well said avidal you know in, in that it is it is much like people uh, you know like the way i was perhaps you know i was asking you this question about growing up uh, and and a lot of us believe that who we become later uh, you know is shaped by uh, things that we pick early on in our lives when so as as someone who works with founders at such an early stage avidal uh, at the seed stage um what are those building blocks you see that scale or that don't scale so let me be more specific for example sense of ownership now one of the questions is by the time uh, a startup goes through the journey and reach becomes big uh, founders don't hold much of equity in the company so that is the sense of ownership or, or should how much should you have should you not have and what does it mean uh, for the company and and the second thing uh, aviral is again foundational building block point of view from seed stage is what makes a great company uh, what makes a good company uh, because there is a lot of debate around built to last kind of thing you know can you become an institution can you outlive cycles uh, can you can you create more and you were talking about the tatas for example right so so how do you create such companies are these wrong expectations or i know there are a bunch of questions i have bundled into one but uh you know i trust you with this yeah no they they are all fascinating questions um i was actually talking to a founder on uh, junior vc's podcast and he talked about how equity that a founder owns 
when they become a unicorn is so less that it it hurts right and in the indian ecosystem it's more par for the course than exception i do think it's changing now in the newer breed of founders because they've started understanding the value of equity and that only happens once you start seeing exits right i think the flipkart exit was a massive event big milestone for the ecosystem for many ways um much more ways than just a liquidation event right it it shared with founders that you could build something big um and create wealth for everyone in the process um i think the ecosystem is really young right now um there isn't a single company that you could point to maybe barring the first internet founders which would be zoho um inmobi to some extent infoedge um rediff um and i'd add flipkart as well which are these built to last kind of companies that have multi decadal existence now um there aren't many i can point to and say you know hey this is a enduring company that's lasted beyond the founders but i think we'll get there um in the next decade or so um and that's a dna that will take time to to build um how do you build a company that's built to last i think the you know once the founder realizes that um they've stumbled upon a problem that's bigger than themselves and that's that's when they start the company that's when the whole build to last starts the reason why they start the company is because they want to build something bigger than themselves more generally than not the founders who build unicorns and i have many friends who are founders of such large companies you see this common trait amongst them which is that they wanted to do something beyond themselves and that's the dna with which the company starts they don't want to do it for monetary reasons they don't want to do it because they want to prove a point to someone they don't want to do it because they want to show to everyone that hey i built this massive organization clap for me they genuinely do it because they believe they are solving a problem that is bigger than themselves and those are the companies that end up scaling because the journey is so hard the you know i would say the pretenders fall away by the wayside along the way because the journey is so challenging when things go south the ones who've not done it for pure reasons they just give up right someone's doing it for the money or for getting an exit they will usually give up in one or two down cycles while the enduring founders will endure and that's why the companies also endure um and my sense is most of the companies that are large today um if everything goes well and they're able to you know get to profitability with paying customers i think they are, they are institutions already um so that's that's how you know large large companies are built built to last and i think that also answers your question on what do you look for in founders um i think this feeling of building something beyond yourself is very apparent in a few conversations 
with founders. I would say it takes, you know, a year to know a founder well, but you get a sense of the direction they're going in very quickly. Um, and this for me is, is super important. I'd add a few more things. I look for how clear they are in their thinking, um, how clearly they are able to articulate what they're doing. And I'd add to that a crazy energy and passion, which will get them through anything. Um, so you need energy, you need clear thinking, and you need to have this sense of purpose, uh, which is bigger than yourself. And these are all qualitative things, but you know, you can actually break them down into mental models and frameworks, uh, where you can have very specific questions to understand how someone thinks. And for me, like these three things are the most important in a founding team. Um, and I generally tend to want to partner with founders who display all these three things. Um, obviously my assessment is not going to be perfect, but that's the goal. Now that's really interesting. Uh, and then thanks for cl clarifying that and adding some more to it. Um, but Abhidal, startups still fail. And again, uh, failure, uh, when I'm talking failure, I'm, I'm referring to an idea not working out, uh, you know, and, and keeping at it uh, as a product or as a company. So if all the qualities that you talked about, uh, you can have them uh, or not. And, and, and there are failures. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm right, but I would assume... Uh, the mortality uh, around that stage to getting to a you know a series a uh, perhaps more than half uh, would fail or 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 not uh, but why do you think things fail uh, in your experience what are the top reasons that still things don't work out it's a question i've reflected on a lot and I have a very simple answer. Maybe it's naive. When the team that runs the company and this is not the founders, but also senior management, they run out of energy, the company fails. And um, this running out of energy can happen due to multiple things. But till the core team that runs a startup has the energy to go on they will survive simple as that the market may turn competition may beat you you might not have money in the bank hundreds of things and i've seen companies that have survived despite these three things when the team that's running the company runs out of energy they're going to fail um and that's you know, that's, that's what it is very simply. And I know I'm <laughs> probably giving the, a very wrong metaphor, but the way you are seeing Afghanistan getting completely controlled by Taliban, it's because the Afghani government has run out of energy. They don't have it in them. And so when you don't have the fight and you don't have the energy, and it's very apparent the company is going to fail and it could happen due to many reasons um, but that's i think the core and the only reason why a company would fail
everything else that happens and people will write you know lots of stories that the market was not right and they didn't have money and uh, their vision was not clear i've seen so many companies that have pivoted i've seen so many companies that have run with literally nothing in the bank i've seen so many companies that have fought a market stayed alive and then when the market turned for them they've scaled so that's it according to me the only reason it's it is the energy of the team that that's very well said abhinav i i absolutely agree with you uh, the the other way of looking at this whole uh, issue is also to say that hey there is entrepreneurial optimism uh, there is this uh, doggedness uh, sometimes and uh, everything from confirmation biases to you name it right now uh, you would i'm sure uh, there are a lot of founders who don't give up at you know despite getting the signals uh, how do you explain that or uh, are there instances wherein uh, you would rather fail than carry on how how do you how do you know when to stop doing it hmm it's a great question i think um i'll put it differently there's no success and failure there's just learning what works and learning what doesn't work in my world and i know i'm being very idealistic when i say this and i obviously feel a pinch of failure and the the amazing feeling of success but fundamentally that's how we should look at success and failure uh we went with the hypothesis and it worked it's a success it didn't work it's a failure and um if your hypothesis is not working you have two options one is go with another hypothesis and keep building which would mean like pivoting your company changing what you do laying off people or don't take another hypothesis um and again it goes back to the energy question right and it's such a complicated situation that there's no clear answer i've told you what i think is the reason of failure but um as i think mark twain said all happy families look alike all unhappy families are unique so every startup that fails fails for some reason um it could be because the founder is now not personally energized anymore about doing it there might be some family issues um they need money a yeah, bunch of things and you have to make um the trade off on whether you want to walk away from testing a hypothesis again or not based on these things so i'm not a big believer in like oh you know never give up or never walk away i definitely think that you should walk away uh if you think the situation that you are in doesn't merit staying um and that situation usually comes is when you've run out of energy and that running out of energy can happen due to these various things it could be something personal professional economical and they all come together and make it hard for you um so when you come into a situation where you have to take a call whether i want to hypothesis test again or not um you should decide with a long term horizon that 
I'm going to try again on this hypothesis test. And if it doesn't work, I'm fine with it. And that's when you decide whether you want to do it or not. Um, if the, you know, the big hypothesis has not worked, obviously small hypotheses don't work and that's okay. Um, but a large hypothesis not working is what everyone terms a failure. Um, so that's how I would look at it. I don't warrant or suggest um, being dogged forever. And sometimes it's good to see the writing on the wall. But once you've seen the writing on the wall, you've got to take a call to commit to the new hypothesis test again. Um, and that requires energy. Uh, that's how I would look at it at least. Do you have it in you for this next innings? Hmm. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's fair. I, I think that makes sense. Uh, final couple of questions, Abigail. Uh, how do you learn and how do you unlearn as well? Uh, and can you can you give examples uh, or illustrated uh, things that you had to unlearn? Uh, and then overall, I mean, your name itself is Aviral. Aviral, you know, some continuous, doesn't stop. So how do you learn? And then how do you unlearn? And can you give some examples? Yeah, you've got the meaning of my name absolutely correct. Um, people who are on my contact book and uh, on WhatsApp, my status is relentless. Um, it's a play on my name, but also something I, I personally am. I, I aspire to be relentless and I always want to be relentless in whatever I do. Um, the beauty of venture is that uh, you are always unlearning. You might hold a belief this year and in two years, it'll be completely destroyed. And you have to be okay with that because founders are basically saying, hey, the world holds a belief. I hold the opposite belief. Please back me. So we are all contrarian by nature. Now, a lot of people say, oh, you know, VCs looked at some other model that worked in some other market and they copied it. It's not as simple as that, right? Somebody took a conviction call on someone else. Um, and that's the beauty of venture, in my opinion, and also founding a company that you are unlearning continuously. And I think in venture, I'm continuously unlearning. I remember in you know, one of the companies that we were looking at, it was a consumer brand that was selling drugs. And I was like, in Hindi, thinking to myself, this is business. Hai. <laughs> and why would like people buy this? And that company with, I think, 2-3 million of capital scaled to an insane amount of uh, revenue. And I was like blown away. I remember this like very clearly because I remember feeling almost like, what the hell is this? Um, and I think that this unlearning happens continuously in venture, which is why I almost have no beliefs about anything in business because it can change. Um, so that's really helped. In terms of how I learn, I am very, uh, I would say, eclectic in what I consume. 
in fact i read very little about startups i almost read entirely outside the ecosystem because you see patterns in your field faster than others if you are in another field that's what a founder is many times right they come from outside they look at the market and they're like hey why shouldn't this be done in this way and then everybody in that market is like oh no it cannot be done and the founder comes and does it so as a vc i've realized that if i'm going deep on physics if i'm going deep on biotech um if i'm going deep on history i tend to build a better world view of what i'm doing and it's not because i'm you know i want to become a better investor which is why i learn differently i just enjoy it so i'll read books about various things like i shared with you i'm reading about the journey of physics um at the same time i'm reading about how crispr was created um and i'm reading about somebody who was stuck in yemen um and lived to tell that story so this is absolutely unconnected random things um but i'm constantly learning by reading uh about about these various topics i think books are my biggest source of learning uh, i read a lot online as well again outside of venture and tech i learn a lot from people i love meeting new people um that's something i realized in college and venture is an amazing um profession because it's writing reading and meeting new people obviously having conviction is important as well but that comes after the first three um so you know these are the three sources of my learning uh reading a variety of things writing helps you learn because then you know that you understood something and talking to a lot of people and i don't have any strongly held beliefs honestly about anything i have very strong values about how i want to operate as a person but i beyond that i don't get emotional about anything at all i don't like subscribe to political leaning i don't care about you know one person becoming emotional about a sport or b sport um and beyond my values no beliefs which is why i don't think i need to unlearn stuff i just need to get better at things that i'm doing in some sense awesome <laughs> this was really nice abhiral final uh, question is there a science fiction view of things that you are doing today can, what is the wildest that you can think about the job that you are doing in terms of how it could become uh, in in future uh perhaps the way someone thought about uh, flying cars or even trains uh, when it came to transport uh, you know decades decades ago what is that equivalent in the things that you do <laughs> the amazing question um you know the funny thing is the science fiction ver- version of vc is vc and i'll tell you why <laughs> there is no data ever and there will always be visionaries right from the guy who was doing the whaling expedition in nova scotia 
which is the origin of VC, right? The whole whaling and uh, carry is basically what they would get as oil from the whale. Um, fascinating journey of how venture evolved to today, to hundred years later. There will always be some people taking con- conviction on some other people who are trying to change the world. And there will never be data to back that decision. It will always be human imagination and connection that will help you make that decision. In some way, I think venture will never go away as an industry. I'm not saying that it will not get modified. I have a very different view of how venture will evolve. It will be media led and so on and so forth. But um, the core promise of VC is I believe in you and I believe in your way of changing the world and I will back you. And it cannot be done programmatically ever. And I don't think that will ever happen. Um, so <laughs> the science fiction version of venture is venture. It's kind of circular. Um, and it's also a reason why I'm fairly comfortable with my trade, uh, not being machined away, uh, by AI. Um, and that's what I think about, about venture, at least in the wildest future. (laughs) <laughs> very well put very well put Aviral. Uh, before we sign off why junior VC why not senior VC <laughs> I want to always remember where I came from um, and I always want to keep that curiosity intact that you know they say oh you're an analyst I started as an analyst and I always want to be an analyst. Um, never get the, you know, airs of, oh, you know, I'm a partner. I can decide this company if I want to invest in it or not. Um, and I think that that's an ethos that I want to hold. And whenever I say I'm a junior VC, even my title at the firm I work at is a junior VC, uh, even though I'm not a junior VC in the firm. Um, the reason is that so that's why a junior VC even when I'm I think 50 I will still be a junior VC it'll be very funny but it's fine uh, intend to stay that way <laughs> junior for life that's good I like that Abhiral, it, it's, it's been such a joy uh, talking to you after uh, years of consuming uh, your your insights and your questions it, it's a real privilege and a joy thank you Thank you for having me, Pankaj. Loved the conversation and learned a lot in the process.